This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. Fred Allen was an American comedian whose absurdist, topically pointed radio program, The Fred Allen Show, which was broadcast from 32 to 49, made him one of the most popular and forward-looking humorists in the golden age of American radio. His best-remembered gag was his long-running mock feud with friend and fellow comedian Jack Benny. But it was only part of his appeal. Radio historian John Dunning wrote that Allen was radio's most admired comedian and most frequently censored. A master ad-libber, Allen often tangled with his network executives and often barbed them on the air over the battles, while developing routines whose style and substance influenced fellow comics, including Henry Morgan, Stan Freeberg, Groucho Marx, even Johnny Carson. His avowed fans also included President Franklin D. Roosevelt and novelists William Faulkner and John Steinbeck. Allen was honored with stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame for contributions to television and radio. Now, here's an episode from 1948 that stars his archenemy, Jack Benny. The Ford Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guest, a friend of nature boys named Jack Benny. Fulton Hoffer, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Fenley, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar speaking for your friendly Ford dealer. If you haven't yet seen the car of the year, the one and only new car in its field, by all means, ask your Ford dealer to show you the 49 Ford tomorrow. that I haven't been here the last few weeks to introduce our star, but tonight I'm back. And here I am again, Portland Hopper. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Portland, where, where have you been the last six weeks? Well, I had to stay home with Mama. Oh, really? Why? Mama lost a fortune. How? Every Sunday, Mama sat home and they didn't call her. Who didn't call her? Stop the music. <laughs> oh, how, uh... <laughs> you can do better. You're just feeling them out. I... <laughs> how come you're, uh... <laughs> How come you're out tonight? Well, Mama got a sitter. Oh, a babysitter? No, they have sitters for Stop the Music. No kidding. Mm -hmm. If you want to go out... The sitter answers the phone and sits with the $18,000 until you get home. <laughs> that is, uh, they're the Lever Brothers again. Thank you, boy. <laughs> Say, if you, uh, 
that's uh, that's uh, that's some profession, a quiz sitter. Oh, everybody's listening to stop the music. Oh, I know that. According to the latest Hooper survey, the only one who listens to our program is Edgar Bergen. <laughs> and even he's gone away, so tonight we're just... Radio programs today are giving everything away. I know. Radio is the Marshall Plan with music. <laughs> The slogan of the quiz program is, if you can't entertain people, give them something. <laughs> Just don't waste their time. Have them hanging around if nothing happens. You should change the name of this program to Stop the Comedy yeah. and give away new boards. I should uh, change it to Stop the Comedy. See, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Well, Portland, this is our last program for the summer. Is this the last? You'll mention Jack Eigen. Yes, it looks that way. <laughs> if there's anything, there's Mr. Eigen. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> In case we call on him for a personal appearance later, you know. If there's anything you'd like to say since this is our last program, you know, before we finish. Well, I have some things that you cut out during the winter. Oh, really? What things? I had a song. What was the title of the song? When they find out about phenobarbital in Tennessee, it'll be sleepy time down south. I can't imagine why I cut that out. And I had some jokes. Really? What, uh, what jokes? What was about the man who ate nothing but radishes for 20 years? Ate radishes for 20 years? In his old age, he went down to Long Island and lived on the sound. <laughs> What, what are you laughing at? Well, to me, that's very funny. Really? Well, if you ever came up before a juvenile jury for telling that joke, you would get 30 days in the playpen. Today <laughs> is getting late, Portland. I think I'd better start for Alan's Alley. What is your question tonight? Well, this is our last program. I'm just going down to the alley and say goodbye to our friends and to ask them where they plan to spend their vacations this summer. Shall we go? As the chorus girl said when the bee lit on her skin, I think I'll shake a leg. Ah, what a night in Allen's Alley, Portland. The front of Senator Claghorn's fence is gone. He must have given somebody the gate. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's see if the senator's in. I'll see somebody whap my watches. Oh, it's you, son. Yes, Senator. Well, let's go, son. I'm busier than an Arthur Murray hostess trying to teach a pupil with St. Vitus dance. You're busy? Yeah, I've been over to Philadelphia attending that Republican convention. Oh. I ain't seen so much hot air since the night I opened the wrong door in that Turkish bath. <laughs> what about the Republican candidate, Senator? Well, uh, Dewey ain't never going to get little old Harry out of the White House. Who says so? Petrillo says so. Petrillo? <laughs> Nobody can take no piano player off of no job unless Petrillo says so. I imagine you saw some amusing sidelights at the convention, Senator. Yeah, I enjoyed one incident. <laughs> what was it, Senator? Well, one day my hat blew into a saloon. I stepped in to get it. A man was sitting at the bar asleep. Yeah? As I picked up my hat, the man woke up. He looked up at the television. Herbert Hoover was making a speech. Yeah? A man blinked his eyes and said, If Hoover is president, what am I doing with three dollars in my pocket? <laughs> 
this is our last visit together. What are you going to do this summer? I'm going to the beach, son. I see. I'm going to put on my bathing suit. Yes? I'm going to sprawl out on that hot sand. Yeah? And then I'm going to do what all our senators do all the rest of the year in the Senate. What? Just keep lying. So long, son. So long, so long Eddie. Well, when the senator gets sprawled out, there'll be something new under the sun. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's wake up Mr. Moody. Howdy, bub. Well, Mr. Moody, are you going away for vacation? Oh, I can't. I'm renting my barn for summer theater. Oh. Last summer, I cleaned up. Made $180. $180. Uh, what happened? Well, sure, one day I was out in the yard. Yeah? I was buttering the trees so caterpillars couldn't crawl up them. Yeah? And a fella comes up. Yeah? He's carrying a bamboo cane, and in his tie, he's got a diamond. A diamond, hey? Yeah. It's as big as a looting cough drop, and it's about the same yellow color. Yeah? I smelt donuts on this fella's breath, so I knowed he was an actor. <laughs> He says, he says, Rube, I'm here to rent your barn for Austin Buskin and his touring Shakespearean players. Uh-huh. It's a deal, I says. Oh, he was the advance man. He didn't say. Oh, he didn't say. <laughs> the next day, Austin Buskin, his leading lady, Anna Cesario, yeah. and the Shakespearean players arrived in town. They swung off a freight train. The, uh... <laughs> The actors, eh? Yeah. They looked like a mob that had just broke a hunger strike. I see. Well, sir, that night the show opened. It's Hamlet. Hamlet. All the Shakespearean actors is wearing long black underwear. Tights? Loose on most of them. <laughs> oh. The leading ladies was baggy. Oh. <laughs> In the back. Oh. Orson Buskin is strutting around the stage, holding a skull and saying, Arash, poor Boric, I knew him well. Well, how was the show? Rotten. <laughs> the audience threw 200 eggs at the actors. Well, if the show was so bad the audience threw eggs, how did you make $180? I was in the lobby selling the eggs at 90 cents a dozen. So long. <laughs> With, with 200 eggs, Mr. Moody could lay on with McDuff. Oh, well, let's, let's try this next door. Hi, Jeffy. Ah, Mrs. Nussbaum. Oh, you're wearing a corsage. What are those flowers? Lilies of the alley. <laughs> I see. In the center, there's a nasty urchin. Oh, the, uh, the nasty urchin looks pretty. My little niece is graduating Mrs. Buxbaum's finishing academy. Oh, and you're dressed up? You went to the graduation? My niece is valedictatorio. Oh, swell. She's reciting a poem. What was her class poem? She's calling it Ever Onwards. Ever Onwards. How does it go? Fare thee well, Mrs. Buxbaum's finishing academy. You learned us all that we are knowing. Yeah. Never backwards, sideways, up or downwards, but ever onwards we are going. Say that. <laughs> well, tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, where are you going on your vacation this year? No place. No? Last year we are stopping by Kramer's Castle in the Catskills. And uh, you're not going back? Pierre is gaining 90 pounds. 90 pounds? How come? 
by Kramer's men, it is time to eating. They are blowing a bugle. A bugle, huh? The first day the bugle is blowing, we are eating breakfast. Uh-huh. Barely we are sitting on the veranda. Yeah. Again is blowing the bugle. Yeah. <laughs> they are going back, also eating again breakfast. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're coming out, again is blowing the bugle. You ate again? All day long is blowing the bugle. <laughs> and you, NPA? Three breakfasts. Two lunches with four dinners we are eating. And this kept up? Every day. So soon we are finished eating. Toots is blowing the bugle. <laughs> Again, we are having to eat it. Well, isn't that unusual? Kramer's Castle serving so many meals a day? Ultimately, they are discovering. Discovering what? Who is blowing the bugle is not Kramer. Well, who? <laughs> who then? In back of Kramer's castle in the Catskills... Yes? ...is living a Boy Scout. Thank you. Now, for the last time, let's call on Mr. Cassidy. Mr. Cassidy, you were... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Cassidy, you have a black eye. I have that. I look as though my eyeball is passing through a total eclipse. <laughs> Tell me, who gave you the peeper? Sure, nobody gave it to me. I had to fight half an hour to get it. <laughs> what, uh, what happened? Well, yesterday, you see, I was invited to a wedding. Yeah? Knocko Nolan's homely daughter married Mullet Muldoon's half-witted nephew. Oh, yes, <laughs> This was some affair. At so the wedding breakfast, I was suddenly taken frosty. Yeah? So says I to Knocko, I'll take a little punch. Uh-huh. With that, Knocko rolls up his sleeve and gives it to me. <laughs> well, Mr. Cassidy, are you and your eye going away for your summer vacation? Uh, now, why should I go away? What have they got any place else that we haven't got here in New York? Well, they have water. Sure, we got sewers backing up on every street in the city. <laughs> Well, they have scenery. Me front window overlooks a brewery. You can't find scenery any finer than that. Well, that's true. Ah, uh, when the sun slowly sinks behind the big pile of steaming malt in the brewery yard, to the picture Fitzpatrick will never show you in a travelogue. But, but how can you escape the intense heat here in New York? Well, no, I, I, I do what Rinty Monahan does. What? Well, when the heat gets so bad, Rinty can't stand it. Yes? Rinty starts insulting Grogan the cop. Insulting him? Um, insulting him how? Well, Rinty yells at Grogan, Ah, your grandfather is gargantuan. Yes? Then he yells, Your aunt sleeps with her eyes open. Yeah? <laughs> and for the clincher, he yells, Ah, your mother wears army shoes. <laughs> well, wait this. Grogan the cop gets mad. Naturally. But how does Rinty escape the heat? Grogan calls the wagon. Yes? And rushes Rinty off to the municipal deep freeze. The municipal deep freeze? The cooler. The Viking. Oh, <laughs> now for their farewell joint appearance, the five DeMarco sisters and Maestro Al Goodman blend their talents to bring us fellow with an umbrella. Bring us together and that's what I'm 
Yes, Kenny. There's a policeman outside to see you. A policeman to see me? Well, why should a policeman... Here he comes, Fred. You Fred Allen? Well, yes, officer. You work for the Ford dealers, don't you? Yes, officer. Allen, you got to stop talking about the new Ford car. You're violating the law. It's against the law to talk about the new Ford? You're causing crowds to congregate. Crowds? What crowds? All day there's crowds in front of that Ford dealer's window on Broadway. Oh, uh, don't worry about crowds blocking traffic in front of a Ford dealer's showroom officer. It's happening all over the country. Never mind all over the country. You gotta get rid of them crowds on Broadway. Yeah, but officer, that dealer is displaying the new 49 Ford. There never was a car like this before. It's new and revolutionary in its field. The new Ford is a big roomy car, safer and more economical to operate. And it hits a new high and smooth, comfortable ride. Don't give me no commercial. Yeah, but officer, the new Ford. <laughs> The new Ford is the talk of the automobile trade. It has the look of the year. In fact, it's the car of the year. You can't blame everyone for wanting to see it. I'm not blaming nobody. Just get rid of them crowds. Why, officer? I want to have a look at that new Ford myself. (laughs) Say, uh, Portland, Portland. Yes? We've got to get busy. This is our last program of the season at NBC, you know. I, I know. And as soon as we finish, I'll sweep out the studio. Yes, and give the broom back to the vice president in charge of brooms on, on the next floor. <laughs> and you know what else you have to do? Yes, I have to wipe off the acoustics. Yes, have the acoustics good and dry when we leave. Pick up any racing forms the musicians leave behind. <laughs> and any polish, turn them right over to me. And when the program is over, if anybody in the audience is sleeping, yes. I'm to wake them up and tell them to go home until October. Right. Well, I guess that's everything, Portland. I'll say goodbye to you now. Have a nice vacation. I'll see you in the fall. Oh, are you going now? Yes, I have to. Jack Benny's sailing for England. I promised to see Jack off. I bought him this travel book. Look, Fielding's new travel guide to Europe. Say, it's late, Portland. I better start for Jack's hotel. So long, Portland. <laughs> This must be the Benny Suite. There's a dew bill sticking out under the door. <laughs> I wonder if old Tacit Pockets is in. Oh, hello, friend. Jack Benny. Well, uh, well, Jack. Come on in, Fred. I'm packing. Oh, packing. Go right ahead. Sit down. Like something to drink? Uh, no, thanks. Coke, Seven Up, Crown Cola? No, no. I'm closing them out. They're only four cents a bottle. <laughs> four cents with two straws. 
cool straw. Yeah, if you buy a bottle, I'll join you, and I hope you do. Sam Thirsty. No, no, Jack. I just came over to say goodbye. Why, I thought you'd be all packed. No, and I've been riding around on the subway all day. Why? It was my last chance. Last chance in the subway? Next Thursday, the fare goes up to 10 cents. I'm riding while the price is right, brother. But, Jack... Ten cents for a subway ride. Well, I didn't do if it. If Ralph Edwards hadn't made me the walking man, this would have done it. <laughs> I better finish packing, you know? Well, look, as you're packing, you can't pack this bathing suit, Jack. Look, it's still wet. I know. And what about this little package here? Oh, that's a carton of Lucky Strikes. I bought them in New Jersey, you know. Oh? <laughs> Well, why go all the way to Jersey to buy a carton of cigarettes? Oh, it's a nice trip. Besides, I saved 24 cents tax there. Well, how could you save 24 cents? It cost 20 cents to get to Jersey and back on the ferry. I didn't go on the ferry. Well, how did you get across the Hudson River? Give me that bathing suit. I'll ring it. Jack... Be careful. One sleeve and the skirt are still dripping. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the trouble with these Annette Kellerman models. I told Annette the day she gave it to me. Yes. Annette, I said, if you can keep it from dripping, you can make a fortune. Hey, I, I just remember, Jack, I brought you this book. Here, Fielding's New Travel Guide to Europe. Thanks, Fred, but I've got my trip all planned. Oh, where are you going to stay in England? Well, Ronnie and Benita Coleman recommended a place they said I'd like. Yeah? His Majesty's Trailer Camp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. It's run by Sir Herbie Harrison. Sir Herbie? Yeah, he's the Howard Johnson of England. <laughs> well, you're all set. Where else are you going? Well, I may fly over to France for a week or two of, uh, parlez-vousing. Yeah? <laughs> Have you, uh, have you got a place to stay in France? Yeah, you see, Charles Boyer gave me an address. Oh, a French trailer camp? No, it's Hildegard's aunt. Oh. <laughs> she rents rooms in the Eiffel Tower. Oh, Hildegard. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Eiffel Tower? How are you going to get around? Do you speak French? Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning, Fred. We. We? That means us in French. <laughs> No kidding. Yeah, listen to this, Fred. Qui akashe le rossignol suma pet kit. Oh, boy, do you rattle it off. <laughs> that's a what? Uh, that's all French. Now, what does that mean in English? Who is hiding the nightingale under my strudel? <laughs> well, won't, uh, won't that be a difficult sentence to work into a conversation? <laughs> No, no, no. You see, I'm carrying a nightingale with me. Oh. <laughs> Strudel, I can get any place. Well, look, Jack, it's time to go. With my luck, that's the bellboy. Come in. Uh, are you ready to check out, Mr. Benny? Yes, boy, you can take my bag. Well, how about the tip, Mr. Benny? The tip? You haven't carried my bag down yet. I mean for carrying them up four days ago. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'll settle the whole thing in the lobby. May have to break an annuity. <laughs> Potential, be surprised. Uh, oh, come on, come on, Jack. Boy, don't squeeze that paper bag. It's my nightingale. Come on. 
Well, the lobby's the lobby's empty. Jack, let's go over to the desk. You can check out. Okay, say, clerk. Oh, yes, Mr. Benny. Here's your bill. Thank you, clerk. I'll just check these items over oh, here. Oh, come on, Jack. It's getting late. I'll just be a minute, Fred. Let's see. I got my magnifying glass here. Let's see. <laughs> clerk, what is my total bill? Uh, $43.80. Mr. Benny has fainted. Yeah, he fainted the last time he was here. He's got to make that boat, clerk. Bellboy, carry these bags and Mr. Benny out to the cab. Boy, put Mr. Benny down until his bill is paid. <laughs> but, clerk, Mr. Benny's unconscious. Then go through Mr. Benny's pockets and get the money. Well, all right. Oh, shoot. What's wrong? His pockets are locked. <laughs> Boy, put Mr. Benny in the safe until he comes through. But he'll miss the boat, clerk. I'll pay the bill. It's $43.80. Oh, here you are. Thanks. Boy, you carry Mr. Benny's bags. I'll carry Mr. Benny and his nightingale. <laughs> Jack, here's your boat. Yes, sir. The Queen Beulah. <laughs> I've heard of the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth. Well, this is a sister ship. The it's Queen a... Beulah? Yeah, she's really a stepsister. Oh, a step. <laughs> Say, this man coming with the wet anchor, he must be the captain. Oh, hi, mates. Welcome to the Queen Beulah. Shiver me timbers, I'm glad to have you aboard. Well, I'm not sailing, Captain. I'm seeing Mr. Benny off. Uh, very well, I'll check your passport, Mr. Benny. Here you are. Mm. Something wrong? Well, this picture. <laughs> well, Captain, you know, passport pictures. But this is a shrunken up old bloke with no hair and no teeth. But, uh... I can't accept this passport, Mr. Benny. This picture ain't you. But, Captain... Jack, you want to get to England, don't you? Yeah. You better take off your toupee. <laughs> All right. There you are, Captain. Well, that takes care of the scalp. Jackie. Yes? You better take out your teeth. <laughs> okay. How's that, Captain? Well, now you resemble the picture, Mr. Benny. You're a shrunken up old bloke. All the embarrassing things. I bet Lana Turner didn't go through all of this. <laughs> Quit complaining. It's your own fault. Where was the picture taken? Warner Brothers. They do it to me every time. <laughs> All right now, Mr. Benny, if you'll give me your ticket, I'll show you to your cabin. My ticket? Uh, yes. Maybe you, maybe you put it in your stocking with your money. No, no, I'm wearing liquid stocking. Oh, I can't be. <laughs> well, don't, don't bother looking, sir. I'll just check the list. Now, you're traveling first class, Mr. Benny. First class? Yes. Well, not exactly. Oh, if you're going second class, that's three flights down. Okay, Fred, take my luggage. Right, Jack, I've got everything. It's down these stairs. Say, Jack, this package under my left arm, it seems to be getting bigger. It's probably unfolding. It's a deck chair. <laughs> you, brought, you brought your own deck chair? You know, they rent them here, you know. <laughs> Say, who is this woman coming up the stairs? She's blowing up water wings there. Can I help you, gentlemen? I'm the matron, second class. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? May I see your ticket, Mr. Benny, please? My ticket? Don't bother. I'll check your name. You're sailing second class? Well, not exactly second class. <laughs> oh, third class. That's three flights down. Thank you. It's down here, Fred. Just follow me. Jack, I don't get it. A guy with your money can certainly afford to travel first or second class. Fred, I may be a lot of things. 
but there's one thing I'll never be. What's that? A snob. A snob. <laughs> a snob? When I travel, I like to be with people. Well, if you go any lower, you'll be with fish. <laughs> I think we're in third class now. Gosh, I'm going to look funny in my beret. Everybody down here is wearing babushkas. Oh, hi, gents. Uh, welcome to third class. Who are you? The sword and chance. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? Cabin? You mean hammock, don't you, bud? Well, all right, to his hammock. That's better. What's your number, Buster? Number? Yeah, didn't you get a number with your ticket? My ticket? You're third class, ain't you? Well... Jack, you... <laughs> You must be third class. I'll check. Steward. Yeah? Is the coast clear? Yeah. Sam sent me. <laughs> oh, Sam sent you. Oh, that's two flights down. Two more flights? Yeah, go through the decompression chamber and turn left. <laughs> Come on, Fred. What is this? Who is Sam? A sailor I met at Roseland. <laughs> he said if I ever went on the Queen Beulah to mention his name. Here we are, Fred. Put the bags down. Gosh, it's dark in here, Jack. It sure is. Hey, Jack, something is licking my face. <laughs> no kidding? It's a cow. Why, the place is crawling with cows. Good, I'll have fresh milk all the way over. <laughs> Jack Benny, the star of the Lucky Strike program. <laughs> you think you are on the contented hour. <laughs> Fred, not so loud. How can you travel down in the bottom of this boat? No room, no bed. Fred, quiet. Well, you can't stay in here with all of these cows. They can't do this for you, Jack Benny. I'll get the cap. Fred, will you shut up? Shut up. You're going to England, aren't you? Yes. You've got your ticket, haven't you? Well, you <laughs> haven't got a ticket. I knew you were cheap, but going to Europe as a stowaway. Look, Alan, give me my nightingale and go already. <laughs> Benny, you can't get away with this. The captain will find you down here with all these cows, and then what are you going to say? Moo. Jack Benny for dropping in. After tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we won't be here to remind you that your Ford dealer extends you a standing invitation to stop in and let him show you the new Ford. He'll be glad to have you get inside the new Ford and handle the controls. And he will also explain the new engineering features to you. Everyone's saying the new Ford is the car of the year. You'll say the same thing after you visit your Ford dealer. Thank you, and good night until October 3rd. Thank you. Good night. Well, wasn't that fun? Well, that's all the laughs you'll get tonight because it's getting really creepy in here. Maybe because Suspense Theater is next up on Theater of the Mind. And now from 1944, Suspense Theater and Black Path of Fear. Now, Roma Wines present.
Black Path of Fear, starring Brian Dunleavy. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black. Here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you as star, Mr. Brian Donlevy. And so with the performance of Mr. Donlevy as Bill Scott in the Cornell Woolrich bestseller, The Black Path of Fear, we again hope to keep you in suspense. our first day in Havana. We'd taken a hack, an open, horse-drawn carriage, and spent the afternoon driving around to see the sights. She was always crazy about jade. So, in Chinatown, we stopped in a little curiosity shop the driver steered us to. We bought a few gadgets there and started back towards the main part of the town. It was getting dark, and she snuggled up close to me and the carriage. It's been a wonderful day, Scotty. Yeah. I was scared at first. A couple of times I thought I saw him in the crowds there, Chinatown. <laughs> I guess it was just my imagination. Sure it was. He wouldn't try any rough stuff this far from his home base. He may be a little Caesar around the nightclubs back in Florida, but here in Cuba he's just another alien who'd better not get caught packing a rod. He said he'd get me if I ever left him, no matter where I went. Oh, he sent us a radiogram wishing us luck. That's what worries me. He didn't say which kind of luck. I thought so Hey, what's this, driver? A sloppy Joe, senor. Big attraction of Havana. <laughs> of course. Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> Want to go in, darling? Why not? You can only die once. So I paid the coachman, and we went into Sloppy Joe's. The place was jammed to the sidewalk line and so noisy you couldn't hear yourself think. It was like a football scrimmage when you moved and like sardines in a can when you stood still. Then... Suddenly, the crowd divided in front of us like the Red Sea, and a little photographer came through, using an old-fashioned tripod for a battering ram. He set up his camera and pointed it in our direction. Ah, the senor and the lady would like a picture for to show their friends back in the estate. No, no. Oh, please, Scotty, we've never had a picture taken together. <laughs> together? With 40,000 people jammed up against us on all sides? Oh, well, instead, maybe you come to my studio. Calle Barrios. Calle Barrios is not far. Nah, nah, go on. Shoot it here. Go ahead. What? Oh, make pause, please. Uh, uh, move your lungs. You come on? Yes, you Hold it. No. That is all. I have the picture. Well, he's taking us now, darling. Oh, come on, honey. Everybody's looking at us. Don't rush me, Scotty. Huh? Give me time. What is it? Why are you so limpy? You've got... I knew we wouldn't make it. What do we care? Part of the night's better than none at all. Eve. Just stay with me a minute. Won't take long. Darling, what happened? What happened? Scotty. That was the first picture we ever had taken together. Hmm? Let me know how it turns out. Eve. Eve, darling. She's dead. She doesn't move anymore. Somebody do something, will you? She's been knifed right here in my arms. 
murder in Sloppy Joe's. Murder that is to start a man twisting and turning down the black path of fear. Brian Donlevy is our star this evening. You have heard him in the prologue to tonight's tale of suspense. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Mr. Brian Donlevy, who in the person of Bill Scott continues his narrative of A Black Path of Fear. Tonight's tale of suspense. Havana is a fast town for anything. Love, life, and death, too. A minute ago, I'd been half of a honeymoon couple getting their first picture snapped by a little Cuban photographer in Sloppy Joe's. Now... I was alone with a corpse in an empty saloon. But that didn't go on for long either. There were cops there in half a minute, and finally a detective. This woman is dead. Yeah, I know. You were the man with her? I was the man with her. Your name? Scott, Bill Scott. Mr. Scott, how long have you been in Havana? Four hours. You quarreled with this girl here in this bar? No, no. You were traveling together? Yes, that's right. The name on her tourist card is Mrs. Edward Espanelli. Yeah. Where is Mr. Espanelli? Not where I'd like him to be, which is roasting. You are not being very cooperative, Mr. Scott. Okay, okay, I'll tell you the whole story. She was a singer in a nightclub in Tampa, Florida. Spinelli owned the nightclub. He was a killer. He gave her the choice between getting killed and marrying him. Uh, So she married him. And how did you meet her? I worked for Spinelli, too. I I drove his car. Mm. You are not a chauffeur by profession, are you, Mr. Scott? No, no. I took the job to get her away from him. Is there anything wrong in that? The murder weapon is nine. What do you know about it? What are you driving at? Is this your knife, Mr. Scott? No, but it's a pretty close match. I bought one just like it this afternoon in a curiosity shop. Wait a minute, I'll show you. I've got it in my pocket right there. Wait a minute. Don't get so excited. All right, it's in that pocket right there. Fish it out yourself if you want to. There is no knife here. But there's got to be. It was a knife with a jade handle. Like this one with a monkey carved on it, but the monkey on the one I bought was holding its hands over its ears. There were three of them in the shop. You know, the type, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I only know that you bought a knife this afternoon, that you no longer have a knife and that the knife has been used to stop this woman. But it's not the same knife, I tell you. I can prove it. Give me a chance to prove it, will you? All right, Mr. Scott. I will give you a chance. So we went back to the shop where I'd bought the knife, back to Chinatown. Inspector Acosta, that was the Cuban detective's name, questioned the old duck who sold it to me. You remember this man buying something in here this afternoon, Viejo? Uh, yes. Uh, gentlemen, buy knife. Ornamental knife. Uh, knife with jade handle. Describe the jade handle. Oh, jade handle have monkey. We know that. Describe the monkey. Oh, pretty sure... Oh, monkey hiding eyes. So, see no evil. You're crazy. What's the matter with you? What are you trying to do to me? I bought the one holding its ears. You know it. Dear Chin, this man's life may depend on what you are saying. But you are absolutely sure. Come by trees. First one is sold to this gentleman. Others still go. Uh, can show you. Can lie in your teeth. Listen, Acosta. So what if he shows you the set with that one missing? He's probably got a hundred sets in the storeroom. Or well, only one set important. Uh, can show customs invoices. Uh-huh. 
How did this man and this woman act when they came into the shop? Oh, uh, lady act scared, very scared. I told you, she was afraid Spinelli was going to have her bumped off. Well, he did it. And this guy has been paid to frame me. Can't you see that? I am sorry, Mr. Scott, but I must place you under arrest for the murder of Mrs. Eve Spinelli. <laughs> As we threaded our way back through Chinatown in the police car, I thought the whole thing over. I came to a decision. The car fitted in the narrow lane like a cork in a bottle. If it should come to a halt in front of the door of a building... And finally it did. Just that. I bolted. They came after me fast. The door I ducked into opened into a pitch black hallway. I groped around till I found the flight of stairs and I started climbing. Quiet shoot! I ducked back in the shadows, turned the knob of the nearest door, tossed my hat over at the foot of the roof ladder to make it look as if I'd lost, lost it while climbing. I backed through the door into a room. In the dark room, I stood very still and listened. They were separating to case the roof along the block. I was safe for a few minutes anyway. Tried to figure out where I was. The room, a dark room. I strained my eyes into the blackness. Then something cold and metallic found the side of my neck. It was the business edge of a knife, blade. The light snapped on. Bueno. I, uh, no hablo espanol. Nothing, Weber. Oh, take it easy, take it easy, will you? I can't talk your language. Put that knife down, will you? Te quiero estar aquí. Well, let's say. Understandsy? Understand? Comprende? Look, out there on the stairs, I don't know how to say it. Polizia. They're after me. Cops. Cops. Why didn't you say so before? I hate cops. Don't you talk English? I ought to have been in enough of your jails to take out naturalization papers. Hey, get over here. I do what I can for you. They're coming back. Better get out of here. Don't be a fool. There's 20 of them down in the street now. They sure must want you bad, Chico. They say I killed my girl. They say wrong? They say very wrong. Another man took her away from you? No. I took her away from another man. Ah, then any fool of a policeman knows you did not kill her. You never kill what does not belong to you. Only what does. You tell them that. Oh, here comes Payday. Quickly, get into the cut there. Cover yourself up. What? But... Do what I tell you. Take off that shirt. Don't stop for the buttons. Tear it off. Well... Now then, face the wall. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Keep perfectly still. Don't rub against the cover. Pense, senor. ¿Ha visto usted un hombre alto, macizo, americano? No he visto a nadie. ¿Quién es ese? Mi hombre, mi marido. Llamaslo. Está muy enfermo. Vuela. ¿Vuela? Sí, vuela. Ve a la cuarentena. Es verdad, señor. Vámonos. Pense, señor. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. What was all that about? Shh. What are, what are all these red spots on me? I put them there with lipstick. I told the cops you were my husband. You had smallpox. <laughs> and they believed it? Why not? I showed them the quarantine sign on the door. Manolito, that was my man. He died of smallpox in this room. Huh? Oh, do not be alarmed. It has been disinfected. Oh. <laughs> Say, thanks. But why did you go to bat for me like that anyway? A different reason. Flowers on a grave, I guess. Flower? What do you mean? It's hard to explain. It's my way of doing something for 
somebody that's not around anymore, I guess. It's the only way I have. I do not know any other way. You see, I know what it is to lose someone you love, too. Just like you. Manolito? He got smallpox in jail. And he come back here to me to die. Hey, what is your name, Wapo? Bill Scott. It's Scott? No, 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 Scott with an S. It's too hard to say. I call you Wapo. Wapo? That means handsome. Well, thanks. What do I call you? Around this neighborhood, they call me Medianoche. Media... It means midnight. Hmm. Try it that way. Okay, midnight. They call me that because now I always hang around late by myself since he's gone. Well, midnight, I don't know what to say to you except thanks. Then other flowers on a grave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'd better get going. What do you want to throw away all my hard work for? Hmm? They spot you at the next corner. Well, I can't hang around here for the rest of the night. What's the matter with it here? You know, if I could only get hold of that photographer. Photographer? Yeah, there was a photographer in Sloppy Joe's. He was snapping a picture of us just when it happened. Oh, you think maybe in this picture is the man who killed your sweetheart? Yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, think, Wapo. What do you remember about this photographer? Oh, he was just a typical cheap photographer of tourists. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He said something about having a studio somewhere near Sloppy's. Calle Barrios? That's it, Calle Barrios. Look, do you know this guy? Uh, sailors go there with the girls to get their pictures taken. Hmm. His name is Pepe Campos. I've got to get that picture, Midnight. I'll have to risk oh, it. One momentito. i first get you some other clothes. Hmm? Here. I think this fits you. What? Where? Manolito was one big sailor. And now listen. I tell you what to get from here over to the Calle Barrios, so maybe the police don't see you. You go down to the mouth of the alley. You turn to the right. That is this hand here. Just a few steps from there. Yeah. It was so dark, I, I almost had to feel my way along the streets. Suddenly, out of nowhere, came a voice. There were two of them there, keeping the alley covered. I looked back the way I had come. Someone was coming toward me through the blackness. I waited there, paralyzed. Petal, Marinero. Uh, what? Are you lonesome? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you want a drink, sister? Well, look, walk close to me like this. Huh? Now, now, lean up closer. Get your face up under mine, honey. That's it. Give me a little more affection. <laughs> That's the stuff. Now, look. Walk down this way with me, just past the corner. You said it, big boy. You said it. What do you want to drink, honey? You said it. That's good. Here's the turn. Goodbye, sister. I was afraid of yelling. I'd attract the cops, so I took off down the street, and then I ducked into the alley to catch my breath. I looked up. There was a sign on the shop. Campos Retratos y Fotografias. At first, I didn't get it. Then, all of a sudden, I knew. I was there. 
I opened the door and walked in. Senor? Look, you took a picture this evening of, of me and a lady in Sloppy Joe's. I want that picture. I do not recall, senor. Now, look, there was trouble right afterwards. You know, a lot of noise, remember? Oh, see, see. I remember. I am just developing the pictures I have taken today. Come with me. This is my dark room. The very latest equipment. Kodak. Yeah, 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 but where's that picture? Oh, right here. In the bath. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's beginning to come through. Si, si. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. Oh. Someone leans over the lady's shoulder, no? Yeah. Yeah, let's have some more light on the subject, will you? This is someone you know, senor? Yeah. It's someone I know, all right? His name is... Never mind the name, Scotty. I'll introduce myself. Spinelli. Stand over against the wall, Scotty. You too. Well, I'm glad you found this picture, Scotty. I was kind of nervous about having a thing like this floating around. You can understand my feelings. You surprised me, Spinelli. I didn't think you even had the guts to stab a woman in the back without your gorillas around to protect you. Don't make me angry, Scotty. I'm in a bad mood. I didn't know you were smart like you are either, Spinelli. I, I apologize. You know, <laughs> that was a cute trick, hiring a cab driver to steer us into that shop in Chinatown. But what I still can't figure out is how you switched those knives. I didn't. I still have the knife you bought. I frisk it out of your pocket. Now I'm going to give it back to you. Would you like to see it first? There. It's pretty, ain't it? You've always had an eye for jades. This is definitely the best of the three. It's a pity to spoil such a pretty knife, but the revolver... That makes too much noise. Yeah, I think I'll use the knife on you, too. I like things symmetrical. Like Romeo and Juliet, then. What's that? Don't move, Scotty. Wapo. Wapo, are you in here? <laughs> His sweetheart not dead an hour and already has another. Midnight. Get out of here quick. This man is a killer. Oh, I'm not afraid of you, big boy. Keep away from me and don't try any funny business. Oh, my hombre, he was just like you. He talked very mean. But he don't hurt me. Not one little bit. I don't only talk, big sister. I got a job to do here. I'll talk to you when I shut your boyfriend's trap for good. My boyfriend? Ha, are you kidding? Go ahead, finish him off. He took a powder on me. I come after him only to collect. Ha, <laughs> on the cuff, huh? <laughs> oh, Scotty, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> on the cuff. <laughs> yeah, you are rich, huh? <laughs> you got big diamonds. Say, yeah, I like you, mister. Stop mooching around. Midnight, I tell you, this guy's a killer. Watch out. Ah, shut up. Yeah, huh? How about it, big boy? Come on. Stick around, baby. I can use talent like yours. <laughs> Kiss me, big boy. Later, later. Now, for I yell very loud. Yeah, Make big trouble. You're pretty hot stuff, ain't you? You don't know the half of it, big boy, huh? Come here. <laughs> Now, Bravo! Oh. Oh, your gun! Run the gun! You dirty little stool pigeon! Shut up, Spinelli. I've got the gun now. <laughs> Scotty, I was only throwing a scare into you. Why, I would have knocked you off right away if that's what I meant to do, wouldn't I? What's it worth to you to stay alive, Spinelli? Scotty, a hundred thousand dollars. In the bank right here in Havana. Just let me go over that table there. Check the bearer, no strings. 
Spinelli. I want Eve back again. 200,000. Chicago account thrown in. 250,000. That's a quarter of a million, Scotty. I want Eve. You can't bring the dead to life, Scotty. But you can be rich. Kill me and you get nothing but a murder rap. The picture don't show me sticking the knife in her. The knife don't mean anything. Chin and the driver never talk. You're just fixing up a nice murder rap for yourself, Scotty. Shut up. Stand over under the lights, Spinelli. Huh? I don't want to miss. Scotty. Don't do it, Scotty. Scotty. Scotty! story, Inspector. I have come to give myself up for the murder of Ed Spinelli. Huh? What are you going to do about it, Inspector? About what? About what? About what I just told you, the murder. I don't speak English so good. I often miss hearing things that are said, especially when they are said too fast. All right, I can say it slower. I just killed a man named Ed Spinelli. My English stinks today. I don't understand. You don't understand? I said... I don't know what you say. If I should get word from the commissioner to hold a man named Scott for murder, that would be different. It would be in my language. Unless that should happen and it hasn't, please, would you mind not coming in here and mumbling in this English of yours that I don't understand? But, uh, hmm? Senor Scott, yeah. this girl, this medianoche... Midnight? Oh, what about her? Do you know where she is? That girl, that woman. She's been raising cane in my jail all night, all day yesterday. Well, what's she charged with? My foolish officers questioned her, and then they didn't know any better that they put down some charge other than the book. Senor Scott, hmm? we have been stuck with her ever since. She's, she's like a hurricane. Well, I'll agree with you there. Senor Scott, yeah? if you have not enough to bail her out, I'll pay it out of my own pocket. Anything to get her out. <laughs> Midnight. It's all over. Yes, Waco. It is over. <laughs> Have you any idea where we're headed for? It's Lucky Joe's. Mm-hmm. The feet of an American in Havana walk always in the direction of the Sloppy Joe's. No? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear it already. I, uh... I'd like to ask you in for a drink, wouldn't I? No, Wapo. You go in alone. Oh, won't you just have one with me, please? No. Why not? There's someone waiting for you in there. Oh, that's crazy, Midnight. I don't know anybody in Havana except you. Someone is waiting for you in there, Wapo. How do you say flowers on a grave? No? Flowers on a grave. And Sloppy Joe's? Love makes any place beautiful. Even a Sloppy Joe's. Go on, Wapo. Buy her a drink at the bar and tell her how that picture you took together turned out. You promised you would, remember? How do you tell something to somebody that's dead? In your mind, Wapo. 
where she will always be. Oh. I'll try and tell her, Midnight. I'll tell her about about you, too. No. No, she will be jealous. Oh, no, not when I tell her. Oh, you do not know women, Guapo. Well, maybe not. Well, uh... Adios, Guapo. Goodbye. Midnight. And so closes The Black Path of Fear, starring Brian Dunleavy. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. This is Brian Dunleavy. Our government has asked us to bring to the attention of women listeners a very important message. In spite of our wonderful victories on all the fighting fronts, we must remember that the war is by no means over or nearly over. Hundreds of thousands of women must get into war work this year. You are desperately needed, both because you are admirably fitted for these jobs and because you represent the only adequate source of labor to replace the men in the armed forces and in the heavy war industries. Go to the United States Employment Service office and ask for information about the kinds of full-time or part-time jobs for which you are best suited. Brian Dunleavy will soon be seen in the starring role of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Technicolor production, An American Romance. Next Thursday, same time, Olivia de Havilland and Reginald Gardner will be your stars of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support and Moses Neimer, executive producer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.